of being the oldest one up here, I'd stick with the lowest common denominator, go with some bathroom humor. I, I have a problem in, uh, in public bathrooms. Not the problem you'd think that most people would have, but my problem is with all the new automatic stuff that's in there. I personally don't like it because I, I hate looking stupid. And I hate when I go up to those water things and I go, and I have to keep doing that for a while. And I know people are looking at me, and after a while I feel like I'm some bad Vegas magician going, water. For my next act, air. Just glad they don't have those on the toilet paper yet, because that would drive me really crazy. Trying to... Oh, come on. Just the thing about bathrooms. But I'm going to do something here, guys. I'm going to need you to help me out here. This is... Uh, we're going to do a little theater of the mind. I'm a theater guy, and I like theater of the mind stuff. So I'm going to have you help me out here. So guys, we're going to do a little survey here. I'm going to need you to just yell out responses when I'm ready for this. What I'm going to do, ladies, is show you that even though men would never talk about this, this is something all men are ingrained with. It's in our DNA, and we're going to be able to answer all of these questions the same in a group mindset. So guys, you ready to do a little theater of the mind with me here? So we're going to set up here what I call a three-urinal scenario. A three-urinal scenario, what we've got is we've got urinal number one, number two, and number three. Now, keep in mind, urinal number one, it's usually in the corner. So that's our corner urinal. Urinal number one is there. Urinal number two is there. Urinal number three next to that. Guys, be with me here. You're the first guy to walk into the bathroom. Which urinal do you go to? One or three. One. See that, lady? One. Someone said or three. That's a freak. But one. <laughs> one is the urinal of choice because why? Because a little corner turn... And you're in your own little world. You might as well have your own bathroom here. That's what we've got going on here, ladies and gentlemen. Your number one is the choice that every man will make when they go in. Why? I don't know. It's just ingrained. In fact, on the Garden of Eden, if there were a three-urinal scenario, Adam would have still always gone to urinal number one. That's just the way it's set up to be and will be forever. All right, so here we go, guys. I need you to help me out. Urinal number one taken. You're the second guy to go in. Which urinal do you go to? Three. See, ladies, we all know this. We don't talk about it. We just do it. Urinal number three. That's right. You've got one. You leave two open. You go to three. Now, here's where we continue this little theater of the mind experiment that I've got going on here. You are the third person to go in. Urinal number one is taken. Urinal number three is taken. Where do you go to the bathroom? Stall. Stall is right. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody goes to urinal number two. No. That's a buffer zone. You leave that open. It's a no-fly area. That pun was directly intended for that area right there. No-fly area. You leave that open. In fact, if you ever walk into a bathroom and you see one person in there and they are in urinal number two, leave. That's a troublemaker, and you don't need that kind of action. Right, you go to a stall, you might walk Welcome to a Southern Man, Western Town, everybody. Just listening to a little... Bob Bedore comedy, and that's who we have on the show today, on Southern Man, Western Town. Bob Bedore, actor, comedian, improv specialist, I would say. He's a screenwriter, playwright, been, been on several movies, uh, Promised Land, he'll tell you more about that, but yeah, that was a little Bob Bedore comedy there, so... Next up on the show, we're going to have Bob Bedore come on and talk to us about it. I appreciate all you guys tuning in. Um, last episode with Tommy Stewart was really, uh, really well, did really well. Uh, last episode before that with uh, 
Richie from Grave Huffer had a lot of good response on that. Terrence, Terrence Hansen, uh, guitarist extraordinaire, a lot of really good response on that episode. Probably my most uh, downloaded episode yet. Keep on downloading the show. Um, follow us on Spotify, Southern Man Western Town. You can also find it on Facebook, Southern Man Western Town podcast page. Have any ideas on guests, any questions, just ask me about that stuff. But yeah, yeah. On today's show, comedian, comic, uh, all around entertainer, Bob Bador. We may talk a little uh, pro wrestling. He's a pro wrestling fan, so may talk a little pro wrestling today. So, next up on the show, Bob Bador. Joining me today on the show, Bob Bador. How are you, Bob? I am great. How are you doing today? Not too bad. How's the? Uh, my shows are all starting the same these days. Talking about COVID nineteen and all. How's that affecting your your life? Did you have any shows you had to cancel? I'm sure. Well, yeah, we've had to cancel all of our improv shows, but we're trying to cover that by doing uh, Zoom shows that we then uh, you know live stream over Facebook. So we've got a good chance of just giving people entertainment. We do it a couple times a week. Uh, The good news for me is that this wasn't, you know, a main source of business. We rented space from a theater and did a show. I just really feel bad for all of my friends who own theaters and are having a hard time at this time and trying to figure out what to do. I used to own a theater and this would be killing me right now if this were going on during that time. Yeah. Is that Quick Wits you're talking about, the improv thing you do? Yeah, sorry, so I said that Quick Wits is an improvisational comedy show that I've been doing almost every weekend for 25 years, and I hate to see it break that streak, so we're trying to figure out different ways to keep it alive. What's the, uh, where's, and where's the theater you normally do that at? We put up the Midvale Performing Arts Center, and that's at 695 West, uh, 7720 South. Uh, we've been various places over 25 years, but We've been at this location throughout the last five, and we really love it. Okay, yeah, and I think there's some of that. Some of it's on YouTube, I think. I know a lot of your stand-up is on YouTube. Yeah, there's an old uh, stand-up of mine. I, I used to do a lot of stand-up comedy. Now I just uh, do the improv. But yeah, you can find that on uh, on YouTube if you look at Quick Wits. You can also go to qwcomedy.com since we're plugging things right now, and and check out things. We've got some shows there. And our, our Facebook page, you just go to Facebook and put it in Quick Wits, you'll find us. And that's where you'll see us uh, in some of our various live streaming stuff while we're just getting through this quarantine. And so you're not doing any stand-up at all anymore, huh? Every once in a while, uh, when it comes up, I'm looking at, every once in a while I get the itch to start us back up again. But it was it was mostly during the 80s and early 90s was my, my big stand-up thing. And then I had a resurgent, a resurgence at one point. But I, mean, I just, I enjoy, I enjoy the community of the improv community. So I mostly just hang out with them. And I, uh, yeah, I moved here. I'm from Georgia. I moved here in about, I want to say 2001. And that's kind of how I knew you from. I saw you do stand-up maybe two or three different times. And I, what I really liked about your stand-up was it was, it was, of course, it was really funny. That's the point. But it was also really clean. <laughs> it was, it was really clean. You didn't have to. You didn't really resort to 
just saying the F word for the for the sake of it. <laughs> you're, you're yeah, I mean, uh, I've always tried to do things when, when I'm performing that uh, if I can't have my kids see it, it's not worth doing it. But, uh, you know, I'll admit, I, I, I do some shows that are not kid-friendly and things like that, but uh, mostly what I try to do is work within a, a clean level. And I, I find that, that that gets me more places, more corporate gigs and things like that open up because I can I can say that way. Yeah. Plus, I think it's, sometimes it's more challenging to try to, try to stay clean. <laughs> So I enjoy the challenge. But I think you're good at it. You're like you're kind of like Seinfeld and uh, Jeff Foxworthy, those kind of guys. They never never resort to that either. But a lot of people use it. They yeah. use the cuss words as a crutch. I think they just kind of sometimes that's all they got. <laughs> they, they, yeah. No, if you can if you can find clever ways to get around that, uh, you, you come out better in the long run. Here's the here's the analogy I always give. Um, people always say you, know, you should be free with your art and you should be able to do whatever you want. But I would talk about lions. And lions in the wild usually find like one little rock and, and that's where they stay and they, they, they keep that area. They've got the whole, you know, Serengeti, whatever to explore. But a lion in a zoo is going to go over every inch of that cage and, and just know every bit of it. And I look at that way with comedy. If, if I stay within a, a certain realm, I'm going to examine every bit of that realm. If if I go free, I'm pretty much just going to stay with whatever shock value thing gets to the glass. Right, right. That's a good way to look at it. Are you doing a lot of writing and stuff now that you're kind of quarantined in, I guess? Doing... Uh, yeah, it's been uh, interesting. This last uh, year, almost, I've been actually unemployed. I used to be a corporate video producer for... Uh, over a dozen years for a company and they, they let me go with cutbacks and stuff. But I've rebooted my life and I've been working on my, my real love and goal. It's not really love because I haven't done it much, but my goal is to write for television and, and produce for television. So I've been really pushing that and just lately I've fallen in with a company. They recently made me their head of development and we're developing TV shows. So almost every day I'm just, I'm working on pitches for TV shows and stuff. And we've got, we've got one that uh, will pretty much be sold here in the, the next little bit. And I'll finally be fully gainfully employed with money again. But, <laughs> so that's been my main thing. I've got, uh, I've got a couple other projects I'm writing and working on some scripts and a book. But, uh, right now the TV shows. TV show stuff is taking up all my time. Does that take you to uh, California a lot, or do you, are you able to just do it from here? Uh, the work right now is mostly kind of here because um, the group that's putting us all together is, is scattered around. But um, we mostly, oddly enough, we meet in Vegas when we have to, when we have big group meetings because so California people come from come to Vegas. Uh, can, it's a good central location. Yeah, Plus there's. Uh, always places to meet there. So Makes that's kind of where we've set up our, our main group. Right before the, uh, the lockdown stuff happened, we all went to Vegas to do some preliminary uh, video uh, photography for for the series so that we could put together the sizzle reel. It's just good that we got that in time uh, so that we get that game because right now we've got uh, you know pitches for all the networks and streaming services all going to be coming up this next week. So it was good that we were able to get that filming done. 
Ernie, you, you've done a good bit of, you've done some movies and stuff in the past, haven't you? Uh, yeah, back in, in the day, that was, I thought that was going to be my, my life and career was uh, being an actor, and I had some pretty close calls, and, you know, Versus was saying that I realized as I was getting older, my my boyish looks were going away, and so I needed to find <laughs> something else to do, so I started learning the whole other side of the business with uh, directing and producing and stuff, and now that's primarily what I do. Well, t- take us uh, take us back a little ways when you first started. Are you from originally from Salt Lake area, or? Well, my dad was in the Air Force. We moved around a lot, but my acting career is really bizarre because I moved to moved to Utah one week before high school started, and it sucked because I was not even known well enough to be an outcast. I was just a complete nobody. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I wanted to be, all I wanted to be growing up was a sports writer. That was my whole life goal was to be a sports writer. And my dad, uh, when we moved here, he goes, um, why don't you take a drama class? Because there's a lot of outgoing people in drama, and maybe, you know, you'll, you'll meet some people you like. And I'm like, whatever, I was pretty backed off. And uh, so I went there the first week they had auditions for a play. It was called Up the Down Staircase. I auditioned because I figured, well, that must be what you do if you're in a drama class. I got uh, got a call back, and all they put was the kid with the dark hair. <laughs> and they, that, that's how known I was. <laughs> and the, uh, the director saw me, and he goes, yeah, you. That, that, that's you, the guy with the dark hair. And I go, oh, okay. So I got the part playing uh, Jose Rodriguez <laughs> because... In Utah, apparently, I was the closest to Hispanic <laughs> that we had at that time. That's funny. And I had three lines, and since that time, that was in, uh, that would have been 78, 1978. Since that time, I, I immediately got bitten with the theater bug and acting bug. I haven't gone more than probably a month without being involved in some kind of production uh, or some show or something from that point from late 78 on to present day. Oh, that's, that's awesome, yeah. So, so my dad setting up a play date for me in high school changed my entire, <laughs> my entire life goal. You owe him, you owe him for that. Um, yeah. What about, uh, when you were doing stand-up, did you open up for a lot of people, or were you just kind of headlining around locally, or, or a little bit of both of that? Or? Well, back in the 80s, it was a lot of just local stuff. Um, I was also a disc jockey at the time, and that got me, uh, so people knew my name, and it got me on stage a lot. But an interesting thing happened, uh, Ellen DeGeneres had just been named Funniest Person in America by Showtime. So she was on a little tour, and they came through Salt Lake, I opened for her there, and they liked me a lot, and asked me if I would join uh, the next, like, four cities, because they, they didn't have people lined up for that. So that, that got me to start doing a little bit of touring. And I would, I would tour a little bit in the, the upper Midwest. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was big in Montana and Wyoming <laughs> and all of those big places. Um, and I always wanted to, wanted to tour and do more stuff. But then I was looking at getting married and just thought, you know, I, I, I don't want to do this. this. I mean, it really wasn't paying bills. I didn't know if I was ever going to make it big. This was all just for fun. So that was when I kind of gave it up. Uh, I picked it back up again in the uh, mid-2000s, 
started doing stand-up. And, and that was a lot of fun. The cool thing with that, though, is at that time, my company that I worked for, uh, I used to do their huge um, events all around there, the globe. And sometimes we would hire comedians. And so sometimes I would I would get to open for those guys. So I've opened for, like, Brian Beacon at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've opened for Jim Gap. You know, it's really cheap. I can say it, but it's really cheap because we actually paid, like, Jim Gaffigan and I just went, oh, and I'll be on before you doing, like, 10 minutes. And like, no, whatever. Right. And so I, I claim that, you know, Caesar's Palace opening to Jim Gaffigan for 2,500 people. I, I put that on a resume in a very cheap sense. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that I think my stand-up is so much better now than it was back then because obviously I've had so many life experiences. And um, I would I would love to continue doing stand-up. But for some reason, I, I haven't developed the... Um, uh, what I, just, just, just to be able to sit down and write new material constantly. And that's what good comedians do. And I just I haven't been able to sit myself down and and make myself do that. So I, I don't, I don't want to keep going up and doing the jokes I've been doing for five years. But every once in a while, I still do. Yeah, on the on the intro before before you called in, we play. I played a little bit of the. Uh, I think it was called bathroom humor. <laughs> we were talking about the <laughs> about the stalls. I played that played that bit on the on here. So that was funny. Um, yeah, I said. And how, do you keep up with the new the, a lot of the newer? Well, I wouldn't say newer, but the more popular comedies. Comedians now, like um, you know, like Mark Maron or Bill Burr, Whitney Cummings, and you keep up with all of those. Oh yeah, I love I love a lot of the the good guys, uh, and I know I'm going to blame on names. I think it's Ray Woods Jr. Uh, he's a comedian that I think is just amazing. Uh, Kyle Penane is one of my just absolute favorites. These guys that can tell rich stories because I think that was always my my sort of style was not really a joke uh, machine gun, but just these stories. And hopefully, if you stay with it till the end, you're going to get the payoff. Right, right. Um, but but, but the people out there are just some amazing, amazing experience to make laugh. I love John Mulaney and there's some other people that are very famous. But, but yeah, I, I, uh, I tend to listen to in my car. I've uh, got the satellite. So I listen to mostly just standard comedy in my car. Yeah, yeah. I, I listen to a Whitney Cummings podcast a good bit. It's kind of it's kind of fun. Yeah. And, and uh, Mark. I, Maron, I loved her TV shows. I just didn't quite make it. And Mark Maron's a genius. So yeah. yeah, but he he doesn't do a lot of comedy on his podcast. Mainly just interviews. But yeah. Um, yeah. And I and I first came known after I saw your first stand up. I met you at a a pro wrestling show. So you're 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 a pretty big pro wrestling fan. Huh? <laughs>
they're combining together and it's kind of what we're going to be uh, doing in a fun wrestling show. Okay. Yeah, usually on this show we talk, I, I usually do a pro wrestling segment. I used to be kind of involved in the business myself. And, uh, nice. And I, uh, there's a local promotion here now called uh, Devotion Championship Wrestling. They've, yep. they've actually got a little 30-minute TV show on Saturdays, and I, I'll review that and kind of um, go with that. Have you ever used yeah, those, those, guys, those guys are doing a great job. Um, yeah, I try to catch my account. It's a nice show. Um, and just, I love what they've been able to do. They've been able to get some, you know, good um, attention from outside outside Utah, which I think was great. Yeah. So I'll definitely be tapping those guys pretty quick. Once only, uh, this TV show only problem I saw with their show really so far is, is they opened it with an intergender uh, Samoan death match where they were hitting each other with rubber alligators and stuff. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, think, I, I didn't think that was the best way to start the whole television thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, no, but live and learn. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're getting better, better now, though. Um, what do you think about if you... What about the wrestling that's going on now, like the WWE and stuff? They're having to perform in empty arenas. Have you, have you seen any of that stuff? That's pretty good. You know, I miss Raw. I mean, uh, uh, the WrestleMania. I watched that, but I got caught up in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's good to like, I used to love WWE, but now I just, I, I don't relate to the, the the people that they have right now. There's a couple I like, but uh, actually what's funny is that night. Uh, I went to the AEW show that was in Salt Lake uh, the night that everyone was getting the text about the NBA closing down and yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. where everything got real. Okay. But uh, I like uh, I like what AEW is doing. I think they're really trying to catch on with the fans, which is which is great. I mean, after their live show, they all came out and you know thanked the fans, or stuck around, did some autographs and stuff like that. And, I'm enough. But, uh, I, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm I mean, I'm 52 years old, so I uh, I was I was a big NWA fan in in Georgia. Oh yeah, and they have now they kind of brought that show back, and and it's only on YouTube, but they brought up back the old kind of retro feel. If you get a chance to watch it, it's like a they took it back to the TV studio where there's only a few people in the audience, and there's no music when they come out and they interview at the at the desk, just like they did in the 70s. It's pretty pretty cool. You should check it out if you get a chance. I definitely will. And you should look up. Have you seen uh, the clip? There's uh, some wrestling group did social distancing wrestling. <laughs> I didn't see that yet. And it it is so funny. It's got yeah. The wrestlers never touch, but they do all the all the the big uh, spots, and they you know they they take the bumps and they do everything, but none of them ever touch. And it is hilarious. So check that out when you're there. They need they need you they need you over there at DCW. They don't have a really great uh, ring announcer guy. <laughs> they have to... uh, you know, it's pretty funny how most people like in the improv shows. Most people watch the improv shows and go, "That's easy. It's just you do this." But they don't realize how important the MC really is to make a good show. And I and that, I see the same thing in wrestling. Yeah, you know the um, if you don't have a ring announcer, if you don't have uh, you know, the, the, the people commentating on the game, it's, it falls flat. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's up uh, What's up next for you after all this is going, just to continue to push the TV stuff? and. Yeah, I'll still be doing everything. I, I have a real problem where I never, almost never say no to things. 
<laughs> and I'll probably still do a couple of community theater shows a year, and I'll be doing the TV stuff. Quickwits, they'll have that going every Saturday night. Uh, I'm actually looking to try and find another spot uh, where we can do more than just the Quickwits on Saturday nights at 10. Well, We've kind of gotten to where we want to start doing more different types of improv shows. I live uh, up so in, uh, actively looking for a new place for that. I live up here in North Ogden now. Um, have you, are you familiar with the Siegfried Theater they, thing? They, yep. They, they have some kind of improv show there they do uh, once a week. I don't know. That's something you could... Yeah, no, they, they've got really talented people there. I actually just did a Rocky Horror Picture Show, a Rocky Horror Show, at the uh, Field back in October. And I've done some improv shows with um, really talented people up there. So there, there's good improv all over the state, and uh, I'm just amazed. I, I think a lot of people don't realize exactly what an improv state you have here in Utah. Where you go to LA, Chicago, New York, those are big meccas, but people from those uh, those places that come here to Utah, like, like we host a Wanasatch Improv Festival every year, and many people come in, and they're blown away by how much talent there is and how much diversity and types of shows and troops there is in Utah. So Utah is a really big improv mecca. And it's weird that it all started 25 years ago when we started doing Quickwits for the first time. Yeah, I mean, you're kind, of, the, kind of blossomed. You're kind of at the forefront of that whole that whole movement there, I believe. Yeah, there's, a, there's some people who will say I'm the godfather. <laughs> I wish you'd get back into stand-up. I, I, I like it. I've always been a big fan of yours since I first saw you. Well, knowing that I've got one fan, I'll, uh, I'll get back <laughs> down and still writing more stand-up material. Uh, yeah. But he's got such a stranglehold on comedy that it's hard for anybody to really... Yeah, no one else can really open a, another place. I'm, I'm very impressed that Dry Bar was able to get theirs going in Provo. Yeah, they got this one it's up here. Uh, they got this one in Ogden on Twenty Fifth Street, but it's part of the. It's still part of the other. What's it called, mm-hmm. Wise Guys? Or yeah, well, that that keeps that zones wise guys. Oh, okay. So there's one in Ogden and Salt Lake, and and um, I he. He keeps like a stranglehold on it, but it's hard for people to open up, um, you know, competition. Yeah. And I know that, you know, he's keeping the, the business to himself, and that's, but I, I think the competition reads better comedy because comedians are able to go to different places and, and hone their craft a little more. And I think they're, I think Salt Lake could turn into a real good comedy hotspot if we had a couple of other places. To, to compete and really push push everyone to be better. Yeah, and I found that I found that since I moved here, it's like that with kind of all entertainment. Like when I was in dealing with pro wrestling, they didn't want you working for any other companies but the one you were with. And you know, I'm a musician. Yep. I'm a musician. I play, you know, in a band, and that's the same thing with them. They don't certain clubs. They don't want you to play at besides theirs, and it's kind of a weird. Yeah, no, that's. And it just it just hurts if you don't if you can't get your material in front of different audiences, you'll never really know what is working and what's not working, and you'll never improve. Yeah, um, I, I I really like him. I, I think Keith is a great guy. You know, our friends. I really wish uh, really wish we had more of a competitive stand up comedy 
Yeah, and you're so so much of a natural at it. I always felt like, you know, just being from a music, coming from a musician standpoint, I always felt like comedy, stand-up comedy, is probably the hardest thing to do. I couldn't imagine just standing up there with a microphone. <laughs> I can well, say it is. It's, it's horrible. Uh, <laughs> well, you see, in a band, you're in a play, you're in something, you've got everyone who can help you. Stand-up comedy, you're literally going up and saying, you think this is funny, and I've got to fill 10 minutes. Yeah. And I hope you're with me. I had to do a show one time, um, an hour. I had to do an hour of stand-up. And the only people in the audience, it was older couple when we found an anniversary, and like five or six guys that were there for the bachelor party who wanted no part of stand-up. And that was, man, that was the most grateful hour of my life, having to just try to figure out what to do to make these two people laugh and <laughs> yeah. deal with the heckling going on from the, the backstory party off to the side that was just kind of playing pool. But I don't know, there, there's something I love about that. There's a, there's a scary, scary kind of thing. Stand-up comedy is almost like jumping out of a plane before you've really thought about it before a, you know, a, a parachute on. You just, you jump and you just yeah. got to go and and once you make that connection with the audience something hits that's when you can feel that parachute suddenly take you and and you go down but until that point it's just a free fall and you never know if you get pull out of that and I've had nights where I never pulled out of it and I just landed and you just gotta gotta get up and dust yourself off and figure out what maybe happened that night yeah but it's still fun. I love it. Got to be a good adrenaline rush after you kill it one night. After it's over. Yeah, no, there, there, <laughs> there have been nights. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. When uh, one of the nights I opened for Brian Regan, and I said, there's like 3,000 people, and you're in the MGM brand, you know, main big ballroom, and um, you just got this audience just roaring with laughter. You, you know, I was only on for like 12 minutes, but I came off just, Feeling like I was a band, you know, just like this. It's hard to. It was hard to come down to that. It was like hours later. I'm still just shaking. You know what a great feeling that was. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. You know, you get you get 20 people and you get them laughing pretty good. There's a good feeling about that. But I think what makes the stand up work is you just being able to bond with that with that audience over something. Yeah. And then it's just a a sharing of something. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe. Must make people forget about their problems for a bit. Yeah. Um, well, I've kept you long enough, so let, tell me. Let's go ahead and uh, plug your. You know, you said I know the YouTube channel. You just look up Bob Bedore on YouTube, I guess, and that's what I did and came right up. What about uh, do the qu uh, quick wits again? Is there a website for that, or is that on YouTube as well? Yeah, so quick wits is Q W comedy.com and that's where you can get tickets and stuff like that if you go through some of the menus you'll see where we've got some videos and some other things and, as, and is there I'll a be set, honest we're not what? Uh, is there a set night that you guys usually do that on yeah and then our normal shows are normally every Saturday night at 10 o'clock and that's we just rent the space there at the Midville Performing Arts Center so, which is just a great great location and then until something else opens up, we're just happy to stay there. In fact, we'll probably be happy to stay there even when something opens up. 
Uh, but we can go there. It's a two-hour show. And we keep it PG-13 at the most. And just have a great time. Uh, until then, you can catch us on our Facebook page, which just look up Quits. Q-U-I-C-K-W-I-T-S. You'll find our Facebook page like that. And then we'll be on tonight, uh, well, Saturday night. It's between this interview right now. Uh, 8 o'clock. And we're trying to make sure every Saturday night at 8 during this quarantine time that we're doing shows there. But we also, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're getting together on Zoom. And sometimes we throw those up and live stream those as well. Hopefully, maybe in around July or so, you'll be back out live again out there. That'll be the hope we've done. The last three years, we've done a thing called the Summer of Fun, where every week is something very, very different. And that's been my, my favorite time. And I'm uh, a little worried we might have to cut some of the Summer of Fun short this year. Now, is that theater in Midvale? Is that the same one that guy Spin, a guy named Spin, used to run? You know what I'm talking no, about? No, that's the, that, that was the comedy circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was and cool. I said, yeah, during the eighties, I I performed uh, performed there. Whatever happened to but that guy? That I don't wonder. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I think he's oddly enough, surprisingly enough, I think he's still alive. <laughs> that, was... that, that guy was into some major <laughs> controlled substances, and uh, I did some crazy stuff. But um, that theater is now called the Midvale Main Street Theater, and Quickwits used to perform there for a little while. It's it's still a beautiful little theater. And if anyone remembers ever going to the comedy circuit, I invite you to go to that theater. It's uh, there on the historic Main Street. It's right next to our theater. But it's still got a lot of the artwork that Spin did. And if you go into the bathrooms, there's just crazy wild artwork of paintings and mirrors and stuff. Yeah, I remember there was like I remember there was like busted mirrors glued all over the. <laughs> the walls and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all artwork. If you go there, see a show, then ask you can go up in the balcony and see some of the stuff. That, that place just needs to be turned into a, a museum yeah. of what cocaine and artistry can do. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, I can't I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. And uh, this will it'll probably uh probably drop later tonight. So, um, anything else you want to plug or anything? No, just uh, be real mindful that when this whole thing is over, go and see as much entertainment as you can because, you know, I've, I've owned theaters, I've done stuff. No one is, other than the, like the Hale Center Theater, no one is making money off of what's going on. And the actors today aren't making money. The only thing we get out of doing this is a smile, a laugh, applause, stuff like that. So please go out and support as much as you can and applaud and, and thank these actors who are giving up so much of their time just to put on a show or wrestle an event or, or anything. They're trying to entertain and they can't do it without you. So please go out and support all the local entertainment you can of any kind. That's for sure. And they, and, and they can they, uh, when they watch the Facebook stuff, can they Venmo uh, donations and PayPal and that kind of thing? A lot of places, you know, we're not, not really asking for that. Uh, I would rather, you know, right now money go to other more needy things. Okay. Um, we're just, we're just getting together and laughing whether it, the way we're doing ours right now with our, Venmo, with our uh, Zoom, is we're all just getting together and, and laughing 
<laughs> you should have, next time you do a Facebook Live or anything, just should throw a Venmo up there. I'm sure you, I'm sure people would want to support that. Um, that would be nice. But uh, like I said, I, we we love our support in other ways. Just uh, let us know on the comments that you're watching. That's uh, that's more valuable than than any Venmo money. But uh, what what I would love for them to do is once we're live, and save up all the money you would Venmo me now. <laughs> Once we're live, I'm buy tickets in. That's a good idea. Well, I'll keep. Yeah. I'll keep. Quick, quick. Well, I'll keep. Uh, I'll keep putting the word out here on a uh, on the podcast. I do one or two a week, and uh, great. We'll be looking forward to uh, hopefully seeing your TV show in, in the near future. Yeah, you'll love it. Uh, you know, it's not comedy based. I'll do enough. It's called Women Erased, and it's a show that investigates. Uh, the really wild case of the missing and murdered indigenous women in North America. Um, and it's it's going to be gripping. It's going to change a lot of lives. So look for a show called Women Erased coming hopefully within the next six months or so. Well, I hope I, hopefully that'll surface. But uh, thanks again so much for coming on the show, Bob. And I hope you... Hope yeah, you, thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, and I hope you uh, get through the pandemic okay <laughs> uh, we'll do just fine i hope everyone out there stays safe all right thanks bob we'll talk to you soon all right take care bye-bye all right next we're gonna next on southern man western town right coming up here now we're gonna do do the uh devotion championship wrestling i guess it's show number five i tried to watch a show last week but i didn't really I don't think they had a show last week, at least my DVR didn't record it if it's so, but this is show number five, and uh, I'm going to do a little review of it. So, first of all, this show has gotten a lot better over the last um, four shows that I've watched. It's gotten better each time. The last show was good, fourth show. Today's show, Vince Russo may be kind of realizing what the problems were and fixing them, or... Maybe, just maybe, they're listening to this show, which I know some of them are, because they've told me. And because uh, a lot of the things that I'm pointing out that's wrong is getting fixed. So they should put me on the payroll, or uh, but uh, I don't know. But it's, yeah, like I said, show's getting better. Um, kudos to Manny Lemons for that. So first of all, I'd like to say the the opening segment of the sh- the opening of the show has this musical like instrumental. Yeah, I like it. It's a, it's kind of a generic kind of heavy instrumental, but it really fits their show. And they do like a, you know, they show all the uh, some uh, highlights from other shows and stuff. It's pretty well done. I, I kind of like it. Um, so it's just and the the announcer finally I uh, finally said his name, which is what uh, Lauren Gardner. I want to say. Lauren Gardner, something like that, but he, and he's actually doing, you know, again, like I was complaining that he was just talking too much the whole entire time without ever taking a breath. Still kind of doing that, but this, it, it definitely felt like a better pace on this show. He's actually took a breath here and there and does a good job explaining, explaining stuff and throwing in some, uh, some color commentary. So the first, uh, match, they kind of, touched back on the wreck at the Haka Porter Blake thing where uh, intergender 
match thing. Today they were going to do a Taekwondo exhibition, which I was kind of looking forward to, but then I saw that it was just, it was a bunch of bad working punches, which a working punch is, you know, kind of the punch they use in pro wrestling that's not a full-on hit like you would do in Taekwondo, so wasn't great and uh kind of fast forwarded through a little bit of this wasn't a great match um i don't like intergender matches but uh, you know for the kind of people that like that kind of thing that's the kind of thing them people like i ain't one of them um some point toward the end porter blake which i like porter blake i think he needs next week he's facing manny lemons for the title which i think that's going to be good because i'd I just need to, I think Porter Blake needs to get out of the intergender thing with the wreck at the Haka. Uh, I don't know, maybe he likes to roll around with a girl in a, in a thong, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, anyway, he throws powder in her eyes or something, and then Manny Lemons comes out, kind of saves the day. So basically, uh, wreck at the Haka wins with a DQ. I don't, I didn't like any of this, so that's just me. Um... Just like I was watching a, the latest uh, Ronda Rousey. There's a Ronda Rousey documentary right now on uh, Netflix. I was watching that. I mean, you're not seeing her out there uh, fighting uh, Tito Ortiz or, or uh, Barack Lesnar or anything. So I just think they need to keep it a little more real. Um, most likely, Rekka Dahaga doesn't have anybody to face. I mean, if she faces the, the Dora the Explorer girl they have over there, whatever her name is. She's just going to squash her every time. So, anyway, part two of the show, Marlon Bishop comes out and does a promo against... They They have these guys called the Black Horsemen. Basically, four black guys. They call themselves the Black Horsemen. So, he's doing a promo on them. It's not bad. Pretty good. I think they're Denver guys coming in to Salt Lake here. Um, so, part three is a guy named Andrew Sowell, which I think is pretty cool. A little name I... You know, when I, when you, in wrestling talk, when you draw a crowd, you know, they'll say, can you draw? Can this guy draw? That means can he bring in people to see the show? And he's got, he's kind of playing on that with his name, Andrew, so well. Pretty, pretty good. And he's got like his own championship he invented called the Worldwide Infinity Champ or something. Has his own belt. Pretty funny. He come he, he, he goes against Joe Barton, which I believe is one of those, uh, black horsemen and uh anyway they do uh, a, lot, a lot of the other black horsemen come out and interfere in the match and big cluster towards the end uh part four is tombstone jesus my old buddy which i guess we are not buddies anymore i don't know what the deal is with that he cuts a promo which is just all right he's never been really good at that i'm sure he thinks he is but um he probably needs a manager. Um, he's okay. I mean, the promos are all right. Kind of typical, I'm going to beat your ass kind of thing. Um, no, nothing great, but looks good out there doing it. So, uh, And then part five of the show, got a backstage segment with Josh Glade. Um, didn't really know what was really going on too much there. Josh Glade kind of playing a crazy kind of character guy. Um, part six of the show is Andrew so well again, but he's now he's in backstage promo. He does a really good promo. It's kind of funny, kind of cool. He's blowing up, which in wrestling talk, he's basically means he's out of breath from just working the match. Um, worst thing about this probably is they're doing it in, in the dressing room. 
Which I didn't always buy, but I mean, you can see people's bags and clothes and phone chargers laying around and stuff. And you can kind of tell all the guys are getting dressed in the same room type thing. And probably would have, I probably would have still shot it from the backstage area if it would have been me. But I just probably would have just cleaned up a little bit of the clutter. Not all of it. It'd be okay to see a gym bag or a pair of wrestling boots or something back there. But just not crap all over the place. Um, and again, this showed probably has about 100 to 125 people looks better the way they did it you can kind of they're kind of showing the full seats more than the, the ones that are empty it looks like they got another camera in there so it's not just a hard camera all the time another thing i was complaining about but uh, you know as i was complaining about that i realized that cost money um it's not always easy to have more than one camera but i know the first few shows they had just one camera pointing at the ring this time Got a lot of different camera angles at the ring. I, I was really good. Glad they did that. Um, part 7 of the show, which is basically the main event of the show, Bruce Wayans versus Marlon Bishop. Um, it, it's a pretty good match. Two big dudes from uh, probably from Denver, I guess. Uh, the referee is good. They got a, the referee the whole time. I guess they got my message about putting the 12-year-old referee in there. I'm not sure. But yeah, the referee seems to be... Good. It looks like they got a new ring announcer too. He didn't. I couldn't tell. I don't think he really announced anything. But he. I didn't. See, he was out there. <laughs> I saw him. I don't know much about what's going on with that. But anyway, Bruce Wayans, Marlon Bishop's fighting all over the place. Um, dumbest thing about this whole thing is Bruce Wayans is wearing a necktie. You know, if you're wrestling a guy and. Other guys wearing a necktie. What are you going to do? You're going to choke him with it. Which never happens in this match. Even though they're hitting each other with chairs and stuff. That's another thing. They got, they're outside of the ring fighting. This is a good spot. Uh, Marlon Bishop grabbed a cane from a fan. Like an old guy's cane. And hit hit Bruce Wayans with it. Which is pretty cool. Because I was on the spot kind of thinking. Uh, not planned out. So I thought it was good. But then again, he grabs a chair from under the ring right there, and instead of hitting the guy in the back, which is right in front of him, he throws the chair in the ring. So, it's all right. I mean, nothing great about this match. At the end, uh, let's see who won this match. Uh, Bruce Wayans wins the match. Um, at the end of the show, they do... They do a really good job of showing what's going to come up next week, which I believe is Manny Lemons versus uh, Porter Blake, and then Tombstone Jesus versus Josh Glade, and I don't remember the other match. Um, probably be a good show next week. I'll probably review it again. Um, and then the last, very last segment of the show, after it's kind of after it's already done, I kind of like the way they did it. Um, Tombstone Jesus kind of walking out to his car, which I don't think it's really his car. Um, Knowing him, I don't think he would be driving that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Josh Glade attacks him. He's kind of lured. I, I forget the other guy's name that kind of lures him around. Josh Glade smacks him, hits him with a briefcase and something else, and kind of leaves him laying. And that's all done outside by the Gateway Center in Salt Lake City. So pretty good there, setting up the match for next week with him and him and Josh Glade. Imagine Josh Glade's gonna take the. Uh, Devotion, or what is it, the core championship Tombstone has on him, uh, probably at some point. So anyway, 
kudos to Manny and the boys. This was a pretty good show. I kind of it's, it's getting a lot better. I think if they keep keep doing what they're doing, maybe get another camera eventually when they get the funds. Um, this is going to be good. Hopefully one day they can get an hour uh, TV show. Um, right now it's probably doing good to have them 30 minutes because they're doing a lot with the 30 minutes. I mean, there's no there's no commercials, which that's good and bad because it's the way they set up the show with the with the network, the CW30. It uh, says it's like it sets it up like an infomercial, and which is kind of what how they're paying for it. And then they don't which that's good because you get a solid 30 minutes which you can do a lot with but that also shows they don't have any sponsors so nobody's there's no commercials um if they have that they'll probably be able to afford to go an hour and then, uh, you know they're building on it it's good good work good job so uh that's it for the review of the devotion championship wrestling show this week which aired um today which is april 11th it's just this whole show uh, my whole podcast today is coming from you April 11th, um, and it will probably drop tonight. Um, why I am reviewing this show, people may wonder. Um, it's because it's the only local, only Utah pro wrestling show that there is. And I live here, and uh just trying to help them get some, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say some negative things if I don't like it, but I'm also going to say some good things when I do like it, which you... You know, right now, everything's going in the right direction, looking good. Um, and I'm going to keep reviewing the show. Just kind of let everybody know what going on, what's going on with it. If you're here in Salt Lake City, and I don't, I'm not sure if it goes into Wyoming or any of the surrounding states, um, but I know my podcast does. So you get a chance to uh, watch the show or DVR it. It comes on at 11. It's either 11 or 11.30 on a Saturday mornings on the CW30. Uh, here in Salt Lake City, um, and then I think it reruns around 1.30 on Sunday morning, uh, I just DVR the show, so I, I usually watch it later, but anyway, that's uh, my review of the Devotion Championship Wrestling Show, April 11th, show 5. Alright everybody, this has been episode 16 of a uh, Southern Man, Western Town. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate Bob Bador, a comedian, improv specialist, writer, coming on the show and talking with me. Again, I'm having a couple of little audio issues I'm going to be working out in the days to come. They're not constant through the show, but just a little bit here and there. Hope you enjoy that DCW Wrestling uh, review. Also, remember the intro and the outro music as well as some of the background music to my uh, that you're listening to now are all done by me. You can find uh, my music on Spotify, iTunes, all those places. Just look up Jeff Lawrence or J.S. Lawrence, which you probably have to be J.S. Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E. You can find Jeff Lawrence and Warhorse, one album. You can find Shovelhead. Heavy Metal Bounties to Sing For. You can find me on uh, Twitter at JeffSLawrence1. Instagram, Jeff Lawrence Music. Facebook, Jeff S. Lawrence. You can also find me on Facebook on this show's page, which is a Southern Man Western Town podcast. 
I encourage you to go there and uh, like that page and hit me up with anything you want to ask. We'll do a Q&A or whatever you want to do. Um, guest you want me to have on. Also, uh, you know, make sure you go to uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, Jeff Lawrence Lessons, where I got some guitar lessons on there. Make sure you subscribe to that channel. You can also go to uh, Spotify. Um, when you if you listen to the show on Spotify, just make sure you follow it. All helps me. If you want to support the podcast, if you want to advertise on the podcast, if you have a small business or any kind of business you want to advertise on the podcast, only five dollars per segment. Or I can do you can do I'll do the any segment you want to do five dollars. Um, you can Venmo me at Jeff Dash Lawrence Dash Forty Eight. Um, if you want to support the show. You can also get me at PayPal at LawrenceJeff1968 at gmail.com. will be my uh, uh, PayPal address. So, encourage you to support the show. I appreciate those of you who already are. Listenership is growing. I really appreciate it. And this has been Southern Man Western Town, show 16. And uh, this show will probably drop tonight, which is April 11th. Um, I'm going to do a live Facebook uh tomorrow april 12th at 10 a.m mountain time so 12 p.m uh eastern time we'll do a little guitar improv for an hour while you drink your coffee i know it's easter so those of you who aren't tied up with that tune in to that and i appreciate it and we will see you next time on the show thank you Thank mm-hmm. you.